0: What do you know about that, man? <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs>
1: oh, he's he watches, great. He I'm his... telling you, that guy's really good. Yeah. I mean, have you seen the one where he catches the monster pike on the YouTube play button?
0: That's,
1: mm-hmm. a, that's a great video. I'll have to show you that one sometime. Well, let's just get started. I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast. Lee McClellan,
0: co-host. I hope everybody's doing well.
1: And today's guest, John Hest. John, you've been on before, but have, yeah. for people who didn't hear the first time or don't know, what do you do?
2: Um, so I'm the uh, bear, fur bear, and wild pig program coordinator okay. here at the department.
1: And I feel like last time you were on, we talked about bears. We did a bit yep. more, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to. I kind of want to talk more about pigs today. Sure. And one reason for that is because I know you just went out with the show. What what day was it? Monday. Or Monday. Something? Monday. Yep. And you guys got what? Eleven pigs. Is that what I heard? I think We ended up with twelve okay where was that at oh henry county henry county Mm -hmm. so because of that and also because i've seen you know the department's been pushing report don't shoot Mm -hmm. right and i've actually seen pushback on social media from people like well that doesn't make any sense so it's kind of open we could talk about you know just wild pigs what they are how they got here what the problem is Mm -hmm. and why what the reason for that message is like what Mm -hmm. the response should be to somebody who's pushing back on the department's message report don't shoot. Yeah, absolutely. We're and right. honestly, I did a little bit of research before the show today on wild pigs and I mean there's just so much information. They're actually a pretty interesting animal once mm-hmm. you look at it. Like for instance, one thing I saw is that all domestic pigs originated from the same species, which is like a Eurasian wild boar, is yep. that right? Yep. So Tell me what a wild pig is, and tell me how they got here, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah. So every pig, uh, you know, you think with uh, other animals, you've got subspecies. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, every pig is the same species, okay. Sus scrofa. That's the that's the Latin. Um, originally, they were brought over by the Spanish conquistadors. Okay. As something that uh, I I, I envision them just living in the holds of the ship, mm-hmm. and when they beached on Florida. They let them out. Okay. Uh, use some for food, and that is essentially the
1: origin of of pigs in the in the western you know the western world. I'm sure that more have been brought over since then. But so like sure. f- 1500s is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 1500s. 1500s mm-hmm. released in Florida. Is that a reason why they're a bigger issue down south? It's a, it's, it's certainly got a lot to do with like why, Florida, it's, why Texas, it's a issue. Florida, Texas, Alabama, mm-hmm. Georgia. Those are the states that I mainly think of having like a huge problem yeah. with wild pigs, and that's where you see the videos of you know helicopters and people going out there at night, and there's 50 of them in a field, mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at them with thermals and things like that. Yeah. So how do they get here in Kentucky? Is it is it the same thing or? Yeah, it's definitely the same thing. All of our pig populations
2: that have popped up here in Kentucky are the result of an illegal release. Okay. And that's really from two things. That's from misguided hunters bringing a trailer full up, and it's also from uh, you know, inadequate fencing with domestic pigs. Okay. Um, So we have, it's about half and half, we have some real true wild pig populations. The other half of the problems that we clean up are escaped domestics that get out and it doesn't take them long
1: to become Mm -hmm. wild. So a question I have, since all of them, all the domestic pigs originated from the same species, Mm -hmm. Eurasian boar. Is that a reason that they become feral really quickly? Yeah, heard I, that, I think so. I've heard that if a, a domestic pig gets out, it can start growing tusk in like a very short amount of time and start becoming like more of a wild pig that yeah. you would think of.
0: Why does that not happen when they're domesticated?
2: Uh so you know, I think that's a generational thing. It okay. won't, uh, you know.
0: So the first generation will still be like a domestic, but they're pretty offspring much. in the wild, pretty will grow tusks and yeah. look like a. You mm-hmm. know.
2: And we've seen that happen. We had, a, we had a group up in on the Bracken Mason line that was just a, a very uh, unkept farm where these people had some pigs. People would drop pigs off there. Uh, and they, you wanna talk about some crop damage. I mean, we were killing some 300 pounders. Wow. Uh, and they were just running through a soybean and cornfield yeah. right next to there. You could tell that they were a little bit easier to, to catch track. and to find. Um, but yet they still, you know, you just didn't drive around on the four-wheeler and see them. You know, we Did still they have had tusks drive. and, oh, you yeah. know,
0: they look like the Arkansas Razorback?
2: Yeah. Uh, less so. They had a little bit different
1: face, wasn't as long, uh, and a little bit fatter. Um, it's the best way to describe sort of it's it. It's weird, though, that, I mean, they'll just, once released or once they get wild, they'll just start to change. Yeah, yeah. Like most of the wild pigs are, like, black in color. And, mm-hmm. But, I mean, when you look at domestic pigs, they aren't that way. Yeah. So, I mean, it just kind of seems crazy to me that this pig can, you know, just by being out on its own can completely change. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there anything more to know about that or is mm-hmm. it just...
0: No, no, that's fascinating. That's just,
1: yeah.
2: uh, so they're, they're doing a lot of genetics work. And I, I did my master's on population genetics with bears. So it's always been something that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, uh, 10 years ago, I actually wrote a proposal for a project in in. You know, can we figure out where all of our little populations have come from? And the answer is yes and no. Yes, you can do that, but no, because it's just kind of been this mixture. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff's been moved, stuff's been taken here. You don't really know what, say, Louisiana genetics are. You don't really know what Florida genetics are to an extent, but it's a it's a
1: difficult thing. With pigs, it's probably, because um, obviously with mountain lions, we can do that. Mm-hmm. Because they don't get moved around that much. So like with that roadkill, or the mountain lion that was killed in Bourbon County a while ago, they did the genetics, and they said South American mountain lion, right? Was that the case?
2: Uh, no, well, no, I think it was a Western, like what, Whatever Dakota. it was, but they, yeah, can, they tell can tell which tell.
1: population it generally mm-hmm. came from. So the, you're saying that that's the same idea with the pigs, but it's a little bit harder because
2: It's a little bit harder. And they've genera- been domesticated and yeah, moved around a lot more. Generationally, so it's too, yeah, they've been moved around and they're also producing so many that, yeah. that you know, the genes are kind of
1: yeah. in flux all the time. So speaking of producing so many, Mm -hmm. I read somewhere that they can start reproducing as young as five or six months old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that they can have two litters a year of up to 10, Mm -hmm. which is ridiculous because you got to think by the time that that first litter, okay, let's say a a pig is born, six months old, it, it starts reproducing, has a litter. And then six months old, that litter is already having a litter. I mean, it's like exponential. You know what I mean? Like The mother can already be, or the sow can already be having another litter and the litters from the one six months or the piglets from the litter six months prior are having litters now themselves. Yeah. And that's usually what we see. I mean, the sounder of
2: pigs that we caught Monday had um, two adult sows, you know, you're talking maybe 150 pound, 120, 150 pound pigs. Then it had their, the next generation, which was 30 to 40 pounders, which Mm -hmm. were at right at that six month Uh age range and then there were what we call stripers, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah. eight to 10 pound piglets. Huh. Um, so there was a boar in the trap that we caught and then another boar that was orbiting the trap in the area and we were able to shoot him. Okay. Um,
1: so but, that was the 12th pig then? So you had 11 pigs. in the trap, so the 12th yep. pig was, okay.
2: Um, so those boars were likely not, you know, the mothers were nursing, they likely weren't uh, receptive uh-huh. Uh but that middle generation uh-huh. of
1: 6-month old pigs certainly was. Uh-huh. So, you know. That's wild. Yeah. So, where are they? Or okay. Earlier you were talking about crop damage and things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where where are they in the state? Yeah, so we've got a
2: couple of, of core areas that we've been working. Okay. Um, Henry County has kind of been number one on our radar for the last three or four years. We've caught over 600 pigs out of there since the summer of 2016. Over 600 in three years. Yeah, and that's, that's us in conjunction with USDA Wildlife Services have just worked that over. I don't want to, I'm going to knock on wood, but I think the pigs that we caught Monday, that's the last big group that we know about.
1: In Henry Up County, there. yes. In that area, yeah. I saw a group of pigs for the first time ever, um, coming down the hill towards Carrollton on 71 heading south because I was coming mm-hmm. back from Cincinnati. So I saw my first group of pigs ever a couple months ago. I can't remember when exactly yeah. it was, but so in that Henry County area, you think you might have, yeah, we've definitely got a good handle on it. We
2: haven't had crop damage issues since, uh, September 2017 was really the last real issues that we had, and we were able to get a handle on that. Okay, um, help those
1: farmers. So. so, aside from Henry County, are there other populations?
2: Yeah, we've got we've got issues. We had a population on the Casey Pulaski border, okay. which is sort of the ag. You know, you think about Pulaski County, it's rough on one side and and pretty much ag on the other. And mm-hmm. it was those pigs were in the ag section, and and we were able to get on top of them as well. Yeah, uh, and then the the the. Kind of one that goes back a few years was down around Pond River, Hopkins County, mm-hmm. um, and we've got that one pretty well cleaned up. Uh, the big one that made the news that is completely eradicated was areas of uh, Hickman County. Okay, you know, and that really lent itself to the USDA guys coming in and helicopter shooting them. It was flat mm-hmm. ag country uh, you know they would run them out of the out of the sloughs and out across the uh, thousand acre bean field.
0: And they could do some
1: serious work with that so like i said i've seen videos of that before i didn't know that was used here in kentucky though so they're they're they're
0: reeling right now you you've got you've got them all but cleaned
2: up correct yeah we've got you know we've got some emerging issues the the rough end of pulaski county we have a couple pop up on uh some new new uh public land areas that we've got down there we don't think that's necessarily a breeding population but it's it's on our radar Uh, we've been working with the land between the lakes. They've been great about getting people on there, letting the USDA get on there. But we've had pigs kind of move up through LBL and now it's, you know, across that, across that Kentucky state line Mm -hmm. and it, uh, you know, we were able to, to cooperatively work together with the forest service, wildlife services and us, and we're going to have a, hopefully have a big winter down there. Cool. Um, that's good
1: earlier i was kind of going back and forth between the damage they do and where they're located but i do want to talk about like the threat that pigs pose Mm -hmm. and there's the way i see it there's environmental threats there's economic threats there's threats to sportsmen women as far as you know native wildlife populations go so tell me tell me a little bit about what the problem with pigs is yeah
2: so so it is one of those things that they are just a Nearly perfect invasive species. They're kind of like the Asian carp of the landscape. Mm -hmm. They really are. Um, You know, they're generalists. They have incredible reproductive potential. What do you mean by generalists? So so they can eat anything. It would be, you know, I I explained this to my mom one time, like the snowy owl is endangered or the, 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 uh, what's the owl in the Pacific Northwest? Mm -hmm. You know, it's endangered because it likes to live in one type of habitat Uh and that's it. The coyote is everywhere because it can live in any type of habitat, urban, rural. So, pigs are more on that coyote end of things. They are generalists, both in their habitat needs and their food needs. Um, they're 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 equipped to pretty much do what they need to do. Yeah. Um, they're hardy. They're big. Uh, you know, our winters don't matter to them, um, and they are are voracious eaters. Mm-hmm you know, if they've got food, it, it will be eaten. So really what we were seeing in...
0: So they're pigs. Yeah, they're pigs.
2: <laughs> so really what we were seeing in Henry County, it, it, Henry County is sort of this this matrix of, of some ag areas, uh, some cattle areas, and then recreational farms. Okay. It's always been a top deer county. We've got a lot of... Of uh, people coming from Louisville, or Northern Kentucky, or Lexington, leasing, having, having, you know, having a farm, having a hunting farm in Henry County.
1: Do me a favor, real quick. Yep. Do you mind moving the microphone down like half an inch on your glasses? I'm afraid yep. it's rubbing. That's good. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, it's just that wrinkle in the shirt. So you were saying recreational farms in Henry County? It's been like a destination place.
2: Yeah, it's okay. a little bit of a destination. A lot of landowners that we've worked with are are big hunters, and when pigs first got there, I think a lot of them thought, "Oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can hunt some big game in May or something." But then, very quickly, they realized there's no deer on their trail cameras, there's no turkey gobbling on their property. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, clearly, we've, I, I guess in my time here, I've seen it come full circle from, mm-hmm. oh, I've got pigs, and I'm, I'm begging to get on their property, to, oh, I don't like them, here, come trap them. Now that we've got them trapped, uh, one, of the, one of the fellas that we worked on killed a, a Boone and Crockett buck last year. Okay. Yeah. Um, so from a hunter's standpoint, you you can't have it all, yeah. um, and in my argument here in Kentucky is we've got the one of the best deer herds. You know we're in the top five Boone and Crockett bucks every year. Yeah. We kill uh, I think last year we killed more turkeys per square mile of land than any other any other state in the country. Okay, uh, we've got those two things. Yeah, in good part because we don't have pigs. So I think when you sit back. It, you know, as a as a recreational farm owner myself, my family's got one back in Ohio County, I've got what I want. I've got deer and turkey. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want pigs. Well, those, those yeah. species,
1: deer and turkey, aren't destructive to the landscape. Correct. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? They're, they're supposed you know, to be here. Well, pigs I, aren't. I will say deer do do some crop damage, but mm-hmm. to the extent that pigs do, it's like nowhere close. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming no. that a group of 10 pigs could probably do as much damage on a farm as, you know, 50 deer or something like that. Maybe more because they root around. They... And right. they kind of just seem like bullish animals, like they, you know, it's hard to describe how they are, but they aren't graceful in any way, like no, in my opinion. No, no,
2: no. Yeah, they'll flatten. Uh, I've got some photos of a, of a cornfield in Henry County that when we got out there, they were losing about an acre a night, Dang. and that was 30 pigs. That was a solid acre. Wow. Uh, and it was, it looked
1: like you'd rolled it over with a steamroller. Yeah. So,
2: you know, it was <laughs> unbelievable.
1: I've seen the pictures from Texas and stuff and those fields. I mean, just yeah. ridiculous looking. And we've done a video with, we've done a, a story with you guys in the past. This was different because uh, it was more pigs this time and it was also talking about, you know, this was the last known population in this area. But when we went out there before with you, there were you know, there was snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. And you, you said you could really see where they'd been out there and yeah. were able to identify all that. So. Let's see how they got here, what the damage they do is. Do we have any numbers on the economic damage that's done? They, they've they got
2: some that they throw around. I mean, it's in the billions. That's from the
1: USDA? Yeah. Okay. If you look at the country as a whole, it's in the billions. So the message is report, don't shoot. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's being pushed even more so now than it was in the past, right? Right. So right. tell me tell me why that is.
2: Yeah, so report, don't shoot. So one of the biggest things, and it,
1: it, it dawned on me having an on-the-ground experience. We'll first, it, I'm yep. sorry what is report don't shoot because some people might report don't shoot it kind of seems yeah. like it makes sense but yeah so we
2: want people to report wild pigs and not take the eradication of them unto themselves with their you
1: 270 know. they keep in their
2: back of their truck correct mm-hmm. and it seems and and so you know hunters are conservation mm-hmm. this message could not be more counterintuitive yeah. to what we preach on a daily basis here yeah um so really Helping folks understand that. And I, I for one, uh, when I really got involved in pig work back in 2016, didn't see that myself either until you realize how much more effective the tools that we as a state agency and that the USDA can use are over tree stand hunting mm-hmm. pigs. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's sort of twofold. Number one, it
1: is not effective.
2: You simply
1: cannot kill them. Well, think about that reproduction rate you were talking about earlier. How many pigs would you have to actually be killing to put a dent in them with a rifle? You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: So uh, Does it disperse them and make them smart too?
1: Absolutely. So you're
2: educating them. You're moving them onto a different property, which then we've got to go find wherever they go. We've got to get permission. We've got to convince people to let us come in. And then the other big thing is they completely go nocturnal. Yeah. There are, there's been several deer seasons where we've been trapping pigs with our corral trap set up at night during gun deer season when there's a dozen people hunting this property and yeah. they will not see a pig during the day and we'll be catching them every other night and you wouldn't even know they were there. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of the main message and they've got numbers on this to keep, you know, if you've got a hundred pigs, you have to kill 70 of those a year. So 70% of your pig population to keep it. At a steady level, mm-hmm. um, so you know there's nothing. There's not a lot of room between that 70% and just killing them all. That, that's it's going to make it go down. Um, they've hunted some ranches in Texas and got the 30% number. Yeah, heavily hunted. That's that's running dogs. That's hunting over bait. The best they could do was 30%. So you're a long way from that mm-hmm. 70%. Yeah. Um, So, you know, you're sitting here, you're, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the comments that we've gotten on social media on our first video is, is let me and my buddies come out. We'll load up the, load up the ARs and we'll kill them. And it's simply, I'm not knocking. Uh, you know, I don't want to knock hunters. I'm, I'm one myself, but it don't matter how good you are. You simply cannot do what we can do with traps, with aerial gunning, with knowing when to, to, to Go outside the box and run a snare, knowing when to drop the
1: trapdoor. Or um, even the technology there. I, I don't. Yeah. I know a lot of people have cell cameras. I have one, but who has a, yeah. a remote? You have a cell phone. You can press a button on, and it, it drops your trapdoor anywhere Correct. you are. Right. Correct. I mean, nobody yeah. else has that. Right. Right. And it. You know, it's
2: commercially available. It's six thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. So you know, you're not gonna. You're not gonna want to do that just just for fun. And the thing that we want to say. So we're saying report, don't shoot. When you call and report us, there is a free trapping service at your disposal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this isn't, you know, we're, we've are we spent a lot of time on people's properties. We're going to shut the gate. We're not going to rut the fields up. We're going to do what we have to do to get in there and have these pigs removed. Yeah. So it's not
1: that we're saying don't shoot and we're just leaving you on your own. Yeah, well, yeah. it's a win-win if you ask me. I mean, yeah. everybody wants the same thing here. And mm-hmm. it's just you can have a free service provided for you, done, done, at no cost at all, and done mm-hmm. the best way possible. Why would you not want that? Yeah, you know, and when you he, looking at that, we'll give you
2: the pigs. Oh, really? We'll give them to yeah. So we consider <laughs> on on private property, their their property, of the landowner.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. The pigs belong. Um, okay. Yeah,
2: and we've got we've got property owners that that will take them. That will take a few. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of the farmers that we were working on. Gave them to their laborers, and you know mm-hmm. they were, they were putting lots of pork in the in the freezer and that's great if you don't want them we're, we're happy to get rid of them for you huh. so
1: one of the most so during during all that the most interesting thing to me was you said 70 you would have to kill 70 percent of the population to keep it level mm-hmm. yeah and down there in texas in those places i've seen videos of five guys lined up on tripods with ars using thermal scopes and the, you know and they're just doing everything they can to wipe these pigs out at night mm-hmm. silencers and and they're yeah. only hitting 30 percent
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's sort of the class and it's a generalized number, but that's about what hunting can get to.
1: Now what, now what about this? Say you got somebody out there deer hunt, right? And here come two or three pigs and they, they had no intent of hunting the pigs, but they're there in front of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what, what, What's the ideal thing to do there?
2: Yeah. So, you know, two or three is right on that, right on that line where you're probably better off. If there's two or three, there's probably 30. Um, I think the better example would be one big boar comes by, you know, yeah. boars are mostly solitary. Okay. If they bred the, the, the available females in the sounder, they're going go, to they, they don't want to hang out socially. They go off on their own. Okay. And that is where the message gets a little bit. You're straddling the fence a little bit okay. because it's actually beneficial to kill that one pig, okay. kill that solitary boar. Um, if you've got a whole group that comes through, you're, you're doing nothing but educating. You're spreading them out. Yeah. Yeah absolutely and you're more than likely as a hunter going to pick the biggest pig in that batch and it's going to be a boar and you've just you know you've had 15 females leave with with yeah you know knowledge of of you yeah. know mm-hmm. it's deer season now i need to be worried about corn feeders and i should hang out at night
1: yeah know? it is uh, hmm. yeah it's, it's tough because i mean as a hunter myself you know i kind of see it both ways like i completely understand the department's message and it makes perfect sense but i also see how it's very tough for that person to end the deer stand when those pigs walk by and not to say all right here we yeah, go absolutely you know it's kind of tough um going absolutely. both ways let's see so how so when was the busiest time of you guys getting out there and trapping pigs and, and just going at it
2: so typically winter and and this kind of goes back to the hunting thing a lot of times we would have difficulty from about archery season And and really before that, so, you know, everybody's cameras go up in July and August. Mm -hmm. We start getting pig reports, but then we sort of get sidelined a little bit through the fall hunting seasons. You know, people, I I wouldn't want somebody running a UTV around my farm on random mornings during, you know, during the first week in November. And that's understandable, completely understand that. Um, So it was twofold. We lost a little bit of property access, but then people were hunting them. People were in the woods, uh, just generally disturbing them. They know when your truck pulls in the, in the gate. Yeah. You know they're as good as any old whitetail buck. Yeah, um, well, they're supposed to be pretty dang smart. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think
1: they've got. I think they've got deer beat. Oh, that, by, I mean pigs far. in general are supposed to be like one of the top five most intelligent mm-hmm. animals on the planet or something yeah, like that. Absolutely. So
2: we would really get tied back in uh, around Christmas and work through the winter. And we haven't had much in the way of winters here, but a good hard freeze that doesn't let them root will drive them to corn. Um, so if you've, you know, if you've had a group that's known, you know, they know where a trap is, they've come around it a couple nights, you can get a good hard freeze, they'd be in it in a day or two, and we could catch them. On the flip side of that. July and August when it gets dry the same thing happens I think that is why we caught these pigs on Monday okay they've been around that trap I mean we've been working that that single group of what was seven and then they added some stripers to their okay. to their numbers been working that group since uh, we moved a trap on them in February
0: did those stripers uh, hit L lives or Shan?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a little picture of a striper
1: they're strip yeah yeah so, so the um you said you've been working that group since February, so yeah. that was seven months or so. Yeah. So what do they do? Like, you got, them on, you got them on camera. You know they're there. I know that, I mean, they go into the trap here and there, but you're looking to capture everything, right? Exactly. So tell and me how that
2: works. That's what it was. It would be a pig or two in there once they had their new set of babies. Early, actually, last week, they sent the babies in, Okay. and they stood outside the door. Uh, this you know this trap has got two cell cameras covering every angle you could want. Yeah. Um, and that that's the big thing. It does us no good to catch them all except one female. Yeah. Then we're right back, mm-hmm. right
1: back where we started. So you've been watching these pigs and you've been getting pictures of okay, there's mm-hmm. one or two in the trap, but there's five outside the yeah. trap and-, and having that happen
2: on multiple trap locations. Okay. So you know they're they were they were working this you know couple square mile circle and hitting mm-hmm. a couple different traps huh. um, so it's just a, it's a slow you know you want nothing more than to hit that
1: hit that door and catch some but yeah. catching them all is the is the goal so walk me through what happened monday it was it so let's just say because i knew that chad was on call to come mm-hmm. out there and meet you guys whenever this happened and he it, i think it'd been like two weeks you guys were telling him you know it, it could happen any day now right. so he'd been ready right. so you were Getting these pictures sent to you, you're looking at them, you're trying to decide when to do it. So walk me through Sunday night or whatever it was. Tell me, tell me what happened Sunday night, and then what the process was on Monday yeah. morning. Yeah.
2: So we typically designate somebody to be the trap watcher, and uh-huh. kind of pass that around. Somebody's got something going on. Uh, so the uh, uh, USDA technician, uh-huh. this was, you know, this was their trap. They were doing the, they were doing the trap watching, and I think he said they caught it at about three, between three and four. The they morning? showed up and went in there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of, uh, when you're trap watching, you know, my my wife rolled over and, and poked me one night and told me that my pigs were calling. Oh, really? We then used other expletives in that because she'd <laughs> been sitting there awake, uh, you know, trying to fall asleep, and my phone's dinging, and, I, of course, yeah. I'm dead to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of one of those things where you, you, you wake up when they start dinging, and by the end of it, I may have... A laptop open, an iPad looking at the other view, and yeah. I'm sitting there hitting the trap door on my phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I pulled over. You know, my commute used to be to Lexington. I I caught pigs on the on the shoulder of I-64 several times where <laughs> yeah. they'd hit right at dark, mm-hmm. and got both phones out trying to figure out what's going on. Um, so that's it's essentially just watching them.
1: Yeah,
2: um, and and this was. I don't know if it was the dry weather or what, but they all piled
1: in and he dropped the door off. So then tell me, just walk me through Monday morning, because you told me 11 were in the trap, one mm-hmm. was outside. So was that one that was outside like circling the trap, trying to get to the others? Or?
2: Yeah, so you can see, and, and that's something that, that, that's fairly common. Maybe a pig wasn't with the group, or maybe the group being there for a couple of hours attracted a boar. We've yeah. killed several outside. So you're getting, of course, you're getting that, that pig on camera as well. Yeah. Um, the the technician with USDA walked down there and, and yeah. you know, put got two shots in on it, wasn't sure where it went, but didn't want to disturb the trap pigs too much. So yeah. uh, we went back in, shot them and then found that
1: twelfth pig. And you guys are using silenced rifles, right? Is it a blackout, three hundred blackout or something yeah, like
2: that? Yeah, that's uh, well, actually we killed all these with just a suppressed twenty two. Even the boar? Yeah. Okay. So, well, no, the
1: boar—they—they they got that one with the with the thirty out six. Okay, I was going to yeah. say, uh, not being up close and, you know, with the pig, it mm-hmm. seems like it. I wouldn't want to shoot a boar with the twenty-two from any distance yeah. at all. Yeah.
2: No, this was a. This was about a hundred fifty pounder. It was a good.
1: So I've good seen pig. videos of pigs down south, the Razorbacks or other pigs, like charging the hunters, coming at them. Are they aggressive like that towards? Yeah, in
2: the trap they can be. Okay. Yeah, we've had several that will just, you know, they're they're coming right
1: at you, standing outside the fence while you're while you're shooting them. Huh. And then, mm. do you guys? So, okay, let's walk back through this. You got them on camera for months. Finally, got everything you wanted there. Shut the door. Show up. You get the one that's outside the trap. You go up there. You dispatch the rest. And then, what work is done with the pigs from there?
2: Yeah. So, a lot of disease sampling. So, it's a it's a major agriculture concern for a number of diseases. Brucellosis, uh, pseudo rabies, uh, tuberculosis is a, is a good one. Really? Uh, they carry TB. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we pull blood samples. Uh, we're also taking an ear clip for genetics, okay. and this goes all both both the disease work and the genetics work goes into a nationwide database uh, with USDA. So they're really trying to uh, paint that genetics picture a little better than it is, and look at the disease risk. Uh, and it's just it's you know it's opportunistic monitoring. Every pig we get, we're pulling those samples, and they can they can keep track of it. So um, we do have a few of those diseases in our wild pigs, uh-huh. which is a concern. So on the ag side of things, they are very interested
1: in not having yeah. wild so pigs. So that's why USDA, exactly. that and just the crop damage, I'm assuming. USDA right. is tied into all that, right? Are mm-hmm. insurance companies involved too? Uh, yeah, so we've got a
2: Kentucky Wild Pig Task Force and we've got a, a Farm Bureau member on that. Okay.
1: Because um, obviously they have interest. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. If you so, said you had a uh, a farmer that was losing an acre a night.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't take long to
1: get old. <laughs> no, that would. No, not. That translates like, into money real quick. I
0: mean, uh, good money, very quickly. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, let's see. You have any other questions about pigs, Lee? Yeah, well, I, I feel just, like I've got a pretty good rundown and going mm-hmm. through just what we talked about just now. I'm trying to think of what what's the craziest thing you've ever seen. What's something you would like to get out there as far as pigs go? Oh man, just I, I think it really comes down to the fact that if you want to hunt them.
2: Go south. Yeah, okay. You know, it, uh, it's just, you know, there's not really a place. I, I love to hunt, and I I don't know the first place that I could go and kill a pig today.
0: Yeah. You in, know. When you know. I first started, John, um, that was right after the Model T came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the only place we had pigs was in the big south fork mm-hmm. and along Dale Hollow Lake, uh, WMA. Yeah. And I believe the ones that were near the Big South Fork were the result of an escape from a hunting facility mm-hmm. down there. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. And, and, and back. Uh, did did they uh, were they responsible for the Dale Hollow population as well?
2: You know, I don't know. And the Dale Hollow population is all but fizzled out. Is it God's? That's why there's... I wanted
0: to ask with the status of those two because that's where people go. I want to hunt pigs. I was like, we'd send them there. Those,
2: those are the two places. You know, people think in the in their minds that pigs are are moving north out of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They're not for the rest of parts of Kentucky, except those two areas and the land between the lakes to some extent. Um, Big South Fork used to have a great population of pigs on the Kentucky side, and they were, we don't know if it was disease, if it was a series of bad winters. It was about 97 mm-hmm. uh, when they all but disappeared on the Kentucky side, uh, and we had a series of bad
0: winters were they Russian pigs? Somebody said they were Russian.
2: Yeah, they were. A lot of those were full. So the Smokies are, are, are sort of known for having r- what what people think of as Russian boar. They're no different than a wild pig. They so they're just all got the same. Yeah. yeah. They've just got some different qualities. Um, body builds a little bit different.
0: Yeah. You like know, bigger front shoulders
2: and yeah. And so they brought a bunch over to there from the Smokies. So
0: those those pigs down there tend. So to... So that's where the that. Mm-hmm. Facility got them. That's where they sourced yeah. them from.
2: Yeah, and that was a clay. I mean, we're talking like early 1900s that they were bringing them over there for, oh. for sporting. Yeah, okay. Purposes. That's back yeah. before the fish and wildlife even
1: existed right. here. So,
2: right. Yeah, nobody knew any different. If you think back to that point, there were no deer, there were no turkeys, there mm-hmm. were no bears to hunt. Yeah, then, I mean, yeah. there were some pigs
1: out there. I'm telling you, people yeah. literally don't understand how how Bad much has changed. Wow. Well, how much has yeah. changed in the last 50 years? I mean, you got some old timers that probably remember not being
0: able to... Oh, I, re- I remember when it was, you know, when I was a kid, my granddad and my grandmother and I, we would go to the Indiana Ammunition Plant and we would drive because they had all those straight rows of pines and uh, picnic so we could look at deer. Yeah.
2: Oh, or yeah. we would go to Bernheim.
0: That was one of the few, you know, I'm from Barnstown. That was one of the few places you could see deer. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nelson County had a decent population then, but it wasn't, you know, compared to now, it was tiddlywinks. But- well,
1: and I mean... People in Shelby County, Henry County, Oldham County tell me. You know, I remember back when, you know, you saw a deer. It was a big deal. You yeah, told, no. told people about it. And now those areas. And I mean, in,
0: my, in my youth, uh, I remember seeing a turkey. was like a, a big deal. Yeah. You know, seeing a, a yeah. turkey in the wild.
1: It's but crazy how much things have changed. But, yeah, now we got the pigs. Yeah. What? Um, as far as the pigs go, there's probably no natural predators to them here, right? Even the young ones? Yeah, uh-uh. a young one on its own. Um, you
2: know, it's probably... Probably a coyote's going to find it at some point. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking like a 10-pounder. They get to 30 pounds, I think they're well, they're, they're good to go. They're bigger than a
1: coyote at 30 pounds yeah. for the most part. I mean, it takes a big coyote to be over mm-hmm. 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other day on Facebook, I, I don't know if this is bad news or not for you, but I saw where somebody was like, basically they lost some pigs. And they were all piglets. So they lost six piglets, and they gave the exact location and everything. And I thought to myself, oh, crap well, now we're going to, it's pretty close to some areas of hunt. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want this at all. And I asked a farmer about it. He said, well, you know, they're too little. They won't survive. What are a piglet's chances on its own?
2: It'd be hard to tell for a, for a domestic piglet. Okay. I'd, you know, I'd like to think that they get out there and the coyotes clean them up pretty quick mm-hmm. or they can't find food or if it's in the winter, they, they uh, you know, the weather gets them. Um, I think a wild a wild pig piglet,
1: yeah. Much better chances than a than an escaped domestic pig piglet okay. for sure, and I maybe they're all the same gender. I don't know, you know. Yeah. I have no idea what the specifics. are. I didn't even ask the people who actually lost them. I just took a screenshot of it and I was like, well, I'm gonna <laughs> remember yeah. this just yeah. in case.
2: And that we do get reports and and of you know oh, I saw a group of pigs and we'll go up there and check it out and it will actually be somebody's that they that they're able to get back yeah. in, in pretty short order. That's, you know, it kind of sort through the noise of those reports to actually find the the.
1: Uh, the true wild ones yeah so on another note tell me what's going on with bears right now in kentucky i saw somebody had a picture of a bear on their trail camera the other day i never would have believed it if i didn't see it myself but here, here's a bear in this county and it was somewhere up near northern kentucky or something like that
2: yeah we've had one cruising around sort of kind of the fleming county area yeah for a little while that's uh, been popping up. Of course, everybody's got their deer cameras out, getting ready for the season. So yeah, so a lot more showing photos
1: up. are coming in, it's still which is amazing. Which we is haven't cool. got a Vancouver cougar on camera as being as many of them as there are in the state.
2: Yeah, well, that's my <laughs> argument for the for the fact that the number is a solid zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, northern Kentucky bears and the bears that travel out to western Kentucky, get you know, it's not even like a cryptic trail cam photo. Yeah. It is a bear, broadside centered in the daylight that is clearly you know, trail cameras are good. They're not mm-hmm. getting, you know, yeah. you don't get a deer's nose. You get the whole darn thing right yeah. there. So, yeah, that's my argument against <laughs> but, but still, <laughs> yeah, no, I bear
1: population. Bears are very much in the state, Yeah. fairly across the state, I'm assuming. I mean, I yep. know that the, the real populations are down there in the southeast, but what's the chances of a bear turning up in Spencer County? Pretty good, yeah. Pretty good. Actually, yep. there have been bears in Spencer County, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. We've had some reports there. We got a report this week from uh, the, actually the stamping ground area, Unconfirmed completely unconfirmed, but yeah. Well, but, I mean, uh, but you, when you get those reports, you don't really yeah. bad an idea. But it, no, it could. It certainly could be. I wouldn't bat an eye if I looked out and saw one in my. In my backyard, I'd I uh, an eye. <laughs> I, mean, I,
1: mean, I I don't in
0: backyard. I'd definitely be batting an That's true. Considering I, I live in a neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> like, yeah, I live five miles of here and pretty much in downtown Frankfurt. So if I saw a bear in yeah. my backyard, I'd be a yeah. little, little nervous.
1: So with elk, there's a buffer zone, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's, I mean, then with an elk, well, how does that work? Do you know that how the buffer zone with the elk works? Well it's not so much a buffer zone.
2: If they're outside the zone, you can you can buy an outside the zone elk tag and okay. take them during a during a deer season. Okay. Could using you... using whatever's legal at the time.
1: Okay. So now people need to know nothing like that with bears. If there's a bear in your backyard in Spencer County, well guess what? That bear is supposed to be there. And it's not yeah. even huntable, right? Because it's not in the bear Correct. zone. It's not in the bear zone. So what's going on with bear season this year? I haven't been able to go the past two years because work has just come up mm-hmm. but you know i used to go during the firearm season in december that coincided with muzzleloader season yep uh for deer um is that all still going on are the bear seasons happening right now
2: yeah all still going on our uh, our first season will actually be uh the monday after early muzzleloader is our dog quota hunt there's a two-week period okay uh the weekend after that our archery season starts for mm-hmm. a one-week period and then that december hunt that that uh, you've done before. Again, it is paired up with late muzzle muzzleloader,
1: so people can, you know, ideally yep. be muzzleloader hunting for deer and bear at the same time. That
2: that was my, you know, from the very beginning. I was like, that is what personally, that's what I'd do. Uh-huh. Um, you know, our our bear success rate we're about three to five percent every
1: year. Um, I would definitely deer hunt with a bear tag in my pocket. You said three to five percent is the success rate on. Is that in total for all bear hunters or just yeah. for the modern? Part? Yeah,
2: that's total That's total tag sales divided by the number of bears that were harvested. How many bears did we harvest last year?
1: Uh, last year was 40. 40, so mm-hmm. 3%. Hmm. Yep. So we're selling just over 1,000 bear permits or something mm-hmm. like that? Yep. That's interesting. I, I've always kind of wondered how many it was, if so that makes sense. Yeah, I think
2: it was 1,100 and changed last year, which is up. Yeah. So we've been seeing an increase.
1: Well, where would, well, maybe I should ask you that off the record. I was going to say, where would you suggest going for a bear hunt this <laughs> year? I can point you in some good places. Yeah. Um, I mean, so say somebody's interested in bear hunting, like I am, just generalities. Do you like ridges? Do you like saddles? Do you like, I mean, what what kind of area are you looking for?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, first off, know what the acorns are doing. Okay, that's so they a, like the mass crops too. That's a big thing. So when you look at a, at Roadkill numbers and nuisance numbers, the last five years, it's just been up and down. And that's oh. all got to do with if there's no acorns, the bears are moving wild. Okay. I think this year, at least in the big mountains, we're going to have a
0: decent acorn crop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, incidental um, evidence suggested, you know, yeah. based on what I, I've seen, some yeah. pretty heavy mast falling already. Right. So our regional
2: folks are just finishing up their, their fall mass crop survey. So we'll have that info here pretty quick. Um on a good acorn year like this year, I would walk until I found an acorn ridge or wherever the acorns are, are, are that had bear sign in it. Okay. And then I would either put a tree stand up or get real comfortable and, and sit there.
1: And, you know, I know bears have a probably the best sense of smell of any animal here in the state, right?
2: Uh, it's good, yeah. Is
1: it, is it like a deer's?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think they can. I don't think, you know, if a deer smells you half a mile away, it's gone. Yeah bear's not going to be quite that That's sensitive. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering yeah. if when
1: you were setting up for a bear, if you need to be thinking wind direction and all that stuff, or if it really matters that yeah, much. Yeah,
2: definitely definitely be thinking wind direction for a close-in encounter. Uh-huh. Um, they cannot see that well. Okay. A lot of our successful hunters take the mindset of, I'm going to cruise until I see a bear,
1: and then I'm going to Stalk in on it. And this is on public land, private land? A little bit I'm, of both, some yeah. of the public land down there, you can see it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like some of those old yep. coal mines like Corrigan and, mm-hmm. and areas like that. Yep. I mean, you can get up there and you can literally see a mile mm-hmm. and a half in some places. Yeah. Yep. That's a yeah, covered ground, cast a wide net. Mm-hmm. So um, mass crops, I see I've never taken that approach before. And honestly, I've probably shot myself in the foot the past two or three times I've gone because I've got on, I've been on bear sign, you know what yep. I mean? But I'm also in the rhododendrons. Right. and I can't see 30 yards, and I'll, yeah. just, I'll just find a spot where I can see 50 yards, but I haven't been concentrating on the mass crops. I've been mainly focusing on, okay, I know there's a bear here in this area. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get where I can see the, the most possible and hunt it, but it's still such a small area.
2: Yeah, hunting hunting the big mountains down there, you're going to have that, and if you can find a good oak flat or a bench, a lot of times, you know, the classic... I mean, it, it, north side of Pine Mountain's got several benches on it, and yeah. I we've been down there doing bear den work, picking up drop collars. It is a highway.
1: I've been hunting the south side of Pine Mountain.
2: Yeah. Yeah, either side, you yeah. almost need a helicopter to pull you out of there if you ever, you know, if you get down that far. Mm-hmm. It's work to get there, but, you know, um, animals are using those, you know, I don't want to say bears are lazy, but they're like us. They're not going to. Well, I mean, most take the are, easy path. Yeah,
1: most animals are going to take the path of least resistance. Yeah. You don't. You yeah. don't survive in the wild by doing it the hard way. Yeah, right? no doubt. And that's why they like those um, opportunity feeding opportunities. Like in, you know, you go down to Bell County, you go down to what's the dang town called there? Pineyville or what? Pineville. Pineville? Pineville. You go down there. Like we'd be bear hunting. We we were looking for bears. All five of us couldn't find them. We go down into the town. People be like, oh, there's one out here every day. Or I see one, you know, once a week over there. It's like the locals see them all the time because Mm -hmm. they're down there actually close to the town, I guess. Mm -hmm. And those are probably the nuisance bears that...
0: Mm. Raiding dumpsters and whatnot.
2: Yeah, and that's, you know, and they were probably more like a July-August thing than a December problem. Um, So if we have
1: a really bad winter, because do you put any faith in the Farmer's Almanac or anything like that?
0: whimsically i guess you could say you yeah. know <laughs> whimsically <laughs> yes but i mean would i bet like 500 dollars on anything in there absolutely not
1: everybody's yeah. saying that the uh winter's going to be really harsh right? yes yeah. you know and i've seen because of several different you know signs i
0: right we need one
1: I, I, I don't mind a hard winter to be no good it
0: gets you. rid of bugs for next year uh, it, yep. it'll make the fishing better because uh, we'll have a little bit more of a winter kill of the forage population, so competition will be higher in the spring. It'll make fishing more
1: huh, aggressive. That's a good point. I never thought about how the hard winter can make fishing better in the spring.
0: Yeah, because they'll, they'll be they'll be more readily to hit something.
1: I'm ready for that first frost to hit.
0: Me too. Get rid of. Yeah. I'm tired of those. this 90 degree weather in oh, it's September. There's our week of September and it feels like July. I'm tired of it.
1: Well, not just that, but the mosquitoes mm-hmm. and the They've EHD. EHD like that. That's what it'll finally put it into EHD. I mean, I know that there's an outbreak going on right now to some degree it's nothing like it was in 2017. Mm-hmm. I think our veterinarian said the other day that they would had a, like 200 something reports right now and at the same time in 2017 it was over 2,000 so yeah, yeah. it's just in a little bit different area. It's actually closer to the main population of Kentucky you know you got it's all around Louisville and Shelby County, Mead County so you got more people there so I'd say it's probably getting more attention even though it's a smaller scale what do you know about that you talk to those deer guys at all
2: yeah i don't even think what's going on this year is going to make a make yeah. a dent you won't even notice that it's happening it's nothing 2017 was mm-hmm. it got wild significant, yeah.
1: yeah yeah and it wasn't a different area that was less mm-hmm. populated anyway right. so you know bigger impact lee what do you want to talk about i got your well, new magazine here
0: well thank you yes <laughs> well even though yeah i didn't get it to chase he's like why didn't you bring me a magazine that's yeah, been out I,
1: forever yeah <laughs> I'm, um, um, i mean
0: uh, sorry man uh, so You're tell me about, bunch Okay,
1: one yeah. thing I've seen on the on the your side of things lately in the news, water levels at Lake Cumberland. Yes, I see bo- I see pictures of boat ramps completely out of the water. Mm-hmm. There's a graveyard out in the middle of Lake Cumberland, right? Yes, and but it is some now place, yeah is now exposed.
0: Well, you know, I'll know much more <laughs> about that because about mm, sometime this afternoon, I'm going to Lake harbor You're gonna so, find that graveyard. <laughs> and uh, well, I'm gonna hopefully find some smallmouth and stripers over the next couple of days. Talk
1: to you? Talk to a guy? Yeah, I've, talk, I've, to, I've talked <laughs> to
0: our friend. Yeah, he said it's they're 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 uh, not aggressive, fairly slow, but they're still gettable. Uh, but it's getting progressively worse. We need cooler weather and we need some inflow. Well, somebody posted a picture the other
1: day somewhere on Facebook, and it was. Uh, you know, there is a graveyard that's submerged under Lake Cumberland. Yeah. Well, it was a picture of, like, a, a, a casket out there.
0: Well, there was a lot, you know, several of those exposed during the drawdown. Where uh, wave action, those may have been, but, you know, wave action's taken a lot of what used to be there off. Uh, I mean, it's it's huh. lost a lot. And if you see pictures of the old Cumberland, uh, when 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 people used to go jig fishing and just throw a big heavy jig up because there was a lot all this shoreline cover and, you know, there was soil that over the years, boat traffic and, and wind, you know, that wave action just strips uh, all that off and it brings it down to the, to the clay bank and the shale. Um, so, you know, those that may have been not exposed or just barely uh, an hour full out because wave actions, beat, you know, uh, vacuumed all that uh, silt and dirt away.
1: So, as far as the fishing report on Cumberland goes, you think it could be okay?
0: Well, I do know that at the bow program last weekend, oh, I saw where women, they were hammering some small. S- yeah, some some women who really weren't very experienced uh, caught some nice smallmouths, and uh, one of our coworkers, uh, G- Rachel off. Young, yeah, she, and, oh, sorry, yeah, Rachel Jeff, caught a nice spotted bass. Um, I'm going to use that in the future for to accompany a piece on spotted mm-hmm. bass, um, and they were throwing the Ned so I had my dead ridge stuff uh, packed. And tomorrow we're probably a buddy of mine's got a new tri-hole pontoon that's really nice. We're going to cruise the lake on that. We're going to get up and striper fish. But he'll be at 4.15, burning daylight. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be throwing a cast net at 4.30. Yeah, those are early mornings there.
1: <laughs> I'd be tempted. You probably couldn't do this on a pontoon boat, but I'd be tempted to check the outflow and hit the river.
0: Well, you- we... That brings me into another point. John and I walked the, uh, right beside the river earlier this week. Really? Now, I do know that there's an outing from a fishing group, and they're going to change the release schedule this coming weekend. They're, they're going to go to Orpheus Gates and, and not sluice quite as much. What were you guys doing down there? Uh, well, another thing I was wanting to talk about is John and I went and fished Hatchery Creek mm. the other day. And uh, when when the last time he fished it and the last time I was down there, it was still fairly raw. Um now, uh, and I've talked to one of the people who was very intimately involved in, in designing and implementing it, and uh, he was like, you know, we, we designed this to mimic a western trout stream that you would find in a mountain meadow, um, and we wanted the fish to have a lot of cover and all. Now, when John and I were down there a few years ago, the grass was low. You could still see some of the mesh they put down to, hold, to anchor the bank with, and Now it's like jungle. (laughs) It is thick. And the aquatic vegetation has really, um, uh, and, and a lot of that is a product of it being so hot and for so long. Yeah, um, I, I, I fully believe if you want to go to Hatchery Creek, I would hit it. I would I would wait till around Thanksgiving and fish it till about mid-April. Yeah. that's the time to hit it uh, when some of that vegetation dies back because we could see monster trout. But we were what eight feet away. If that much. Yeah. By the time you got there, it was by the two time way. you got to them, they're like, <laughs> yeah. you're the fifth dude today. I'm sorry. I see that <laughs> wand you're waving. Yeah. I'm not hitting it. We were throwing size 22. I mean, so tiny you have to have a magnifying glass to see the. The, uh, the hook eye, um, and they were like pfft, laughing at us. John caught two, I caught zero. I had one flash on it, and I broke off that jig that right, or that fly right after that. But it's it's done what they designed it to do. They was like, well, we wanted it to be kind of difficult. We wanted it to be like out west. You know, you can't stand like you were telling me the other day, you know, if you wanted to catch one in Colorado, you'd have to make a cast all the way down to that bend with the, you know, with 7X tippet, a 12-foot leader, and a tiny dry fly. And if there was a least a little bit wrong, they're going to ignore it. And in that stream, it's the same way. Would you agree with that, John? Mm-hmm. It's starting Absolutely. to get like that. Yeah, yeah. So... Dave was saying, you know, maybe get on your knees, be stealthy. You're going to have to, you know, not be so happy. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of work. But man, there were have... some fatties in there. If you yeah, it was no doubt a challenge. Yes, but uh, that's I've, what uh, that's kind of the way they wanted it. I've yeah, been so really humbled by a Hatchery that,
1: Creek trail before myself. Yeah. You, I mean, you can sit there and stare at stare them. Stare at them, and
0: they're, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that's kind of what they, you know, that's how it is in the wild. If you're out west, you know, it's not like what we're catching uh, tailwater stalkers mm-hmm. that are a lot more vulnerable and. Easier to catch than, than right. a trout that's born in the wild. If you don't yep. have everything perfectly, you're going to get struck. Mm-hmm. So, um, But I would wait until it's cold. That's the conclusion I came from. But it's also what they wanted, and all those uh, weeds we saw in the water, all that aquatic veggie, um, really protects those bigger trout. And that's what they want. They want the trout, to come, the big ones, to come up in there. You know. Well,
1: they do, I think. What time of year do they typically run up in there? To- um, well, the, this
0: is the beginning of when those big browns run up. And um, uh, Dave showed me some drone footage from a graduate student from last fall of two big browns making a red and doing their thing. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah.
0: um, that'll be happening soon. I'd, I'd uh, like to go see that. I just want to hit,
1: I want to catch a really big trail.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? And I, like- I
0: think I think for for, for that, the river is definitely where to go. Yeah, we'll yeah. go.
2: Kevin yeah. Kelly's got a brand new one on his uh, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. That came out of my boat. Yeah,
0: and so. I went with uh, a friend uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, on that cicada fly and we were dropping, and best day of trout fishing I ever had. It's so exciting watching these monster rainbows. And and you're in a boat and you're 20 feet away. You think, oh, they're going to shy from that, and they're just oblivious to you because they see that food and, they're, and mm-hmm. like your heart starts pounding. You're like, is he going to? And then they strike it and pull it down. You're like, whoa! Off to the races. Yeah, it man. was it's exciting a great trip. So what, yeah, it was yeah. great. I got some fantastic photos. What there. kind of a
1: boat do you have down there?
2: I got a little uh, 16 foot with a jet drive on it. That a jet drive boat is the uh, way to go. Down yeah, there. somewhat yeah, so. somewhat indestructible and. I've had it for a long time and haven't.
1: So are you fly fishing out of it? Yeah. Do you ever do any spin fishing up here? Oh, okay. yeah, so Yeah, Kevin caught
0: his big one on a, yeah, on we, a jerk jerkbait, correct? Yeah.
2: We were down there. They, they had all the sluice gates open and fly fishing. I caught probably half of mine on the fly rod. Okay. Uh, but then after he pulled a good one in on a, on a jerkbait, I, d- I
1: definitely don't discriminate
2: on the river. I oh, like yeah.
1: to catch fish. Yeah. I would like to uh, go down there and throw, you know, dead L-wives or shad or something right below the dam in, yeah. in April, whenever you can catch the well, eight-pounders.
0: And, well, let's do that, because I've been wanting to do a story on that for mm-hmm. several years. I am like, that. I just want to go out there and try it. It looks,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I'm reeling in an eight-pound trout or a seven-pound trout or something would be. There's it. a
0: guy that does that, one of the guys. Says, does yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I saying, Lance Yeah, Sasser we've had success
2: it. running planer board, just, just just like you would run on the
0: lake for striper, but using a little bit smaller shad. And, and that's how Rick, back boards. in uh, the late Randall Gitson, yeah. took Rick and uh, Benji Kimmon, and they caught, one time they caught a nine-pounder. They caught yeah, a Yeah, they've got it.
2: Well, that's where I got the idea from many Yeah, years then they, ago. they would just
0: drift live l And a friend of mine went out with uh, Randall a bunch of times, and a rod that I built one time was the hot rod. And he caught his biggest trout of all time. One day, he caught 23-inch brown on a, on a metal um, beetle pattern. Looks like a little uh japanese beetle hmm. it's, it's metal it's a very old he, and i have one we found about it wow. i think it's, it's strangest i can't remember it was a little store down there we found a co- old car it looked like from the 50s yeah and bruce had several of them and it was right at helm's landing and he threw right that was just coming up he threw right behind the ramp you know where it does that swirl mm-hmm. back in the day when it was more now it's they've changed it mm-hmm. and he just threw one in kind of you know oh my god like, monster so yeah um it's just uh it's so fun yeah. and 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 it's coming back. You know, it took a beating during the drawdown, but I, the, the fishery is on. Oh yeah, definitely on the rebound. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah,
2: and this is about the time I really like to fish.
0: It's mm-hmm. September and October. Oh, it's great. If I could okay. pick two months, that they would be it. And and a good fly at this time. Uh, going forward, will be a stone fly. You know, I've got some big mm-hmm. stone flies with rubber legs. I'm only trying some big black ones. People, yep. once it starts getting colder, they love a stone fly.
1: Yep. I wanted to look something up. I've, I've, it'll take me a second to find it, but I was looking at the map down there the other day trying to decide if a, a self-shuttle trip was possible on the Cumberland.
0: Yeah, well, if you put in at the Rock House and float to Winfrey's, it's doable. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that do that. Yeah, that's a good one. Just, just, just the only th- little anxiety I would have is is leaving my expensive stuff unattended while I, you know, there'd be, there, there's a there's a work around that. I just don't, you know.
1: Well, I mean, I was thinking so people, take a bike. Well, if you and a bike yes, people,
0: people do a bike, yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: or if you had, if it was two, oh, you're saying just one person. Yeah, Self-self, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you tuck it. There's, there's places you can tuck it out of view.
1: Is this, yeah. is this where it is right here? Is that the bend you're talking about? Yep, that is the Rock House Bend. Okay, so and you
0: carry it, you carry it through the Rock House, you know. Yeah. And launch right there, and then you float around, and right and downstream it, from the Rock House is Rainbow Run, one of the best places on the river. Yeah, interface. if
2: you've got low water, you can spend
0: a day at Rainbow but Run. Yeah, hey, we camp there back there. Yeah. The- Twice we did overnights and camped on Rainbow Run.
1: Yeah, that's where Bobby was catching. They caught those twenty-eight-inch walleye there and a couple of big trout. Oh, that's great!
0: And right after Rainbow Run, they built two new houses there. I but um, there's some really deep holes Mm -hmm. that have good flow and a lot of trees. That's a great place to prospect for big browns. Yeah,
2: that's a good. That'd be a great day float right there. And an easy what
0: do you think? The thought, only thing is once you get to Winfrey's Rocks and that's the area that the guy caught the state record saw guy a
1: couple mm. weeks uh, yeah, back in the that summer. That was in the news magazine also.
0: Yeah, he uh, he caught that right in that general area, trolling a uh, flicker shad. Yeah. Um but right after Winfrey's Rocks, that's a famous place. That's that, that marked Uh, Where the old steamboat dudes knew, hey, I I need to turn around unless it's at at flood stage because they couldn't get over Rainbow Run, they couldn't get over that that shelf, so they would turn around. That was the Winfrey's Rocks was a signpost. They would look at the rocks. If it's up here, I can make it. But if it's below it, I gotta, I gotta go back. Mm -hmm. Um, And right after that, though, one of the longest holes. And in the old pontoon boat days, uh, kayak is much better uh, because that thing is forever.
2: Well, from Winfrey's Rock to Winfrey's is uh, longer than you think. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. You're like, oh, you're, you're not home. You're, yet. you're
0: rowing in a pontoon boat and there's no current. You're like, oh, yeah. God, will I ever get there? Yeah. But you know you're home. There's an old guide wire from an old U.S. like we saw the other day, uh, that goes across the, the stream. In the way in the distance, when you see that guide wire, you know, okay, there's the takeout. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, if I was going to go down there and do a float, what uh, water level, I mean, what am I looking at as far as generation? Or anything like that, Well, you
0: don't want to, you know, I I think it gets dangerous anything over two. Now, one thing about in the fall that's great is the electricity demand slackens considerably during that, that shoulder mm-hmm. season because we're not running the A.C. all the time. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's. but, but you know, you, three turbines you don't want to be on that water in a kayak. Yeah. No, we fished it, uh, so that was two Fridays ago,
2: fished it, uh, no generation, but they had the sluice gates open, and it was about three foot above um the top any of the shoals i think it you know normal 542 is Mm -hmm. is dead low and we were at 545 and that to me that's great boat fishing water that would be great kayak fishing water but the waiting waiting opportunities were pretty limited yeah this
1: is a 245 you said or 545
2: yeah
0: Yeah. the the level yeah you you can look on that
2: yeah i've got the so the 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 water management
0: uh, will show you that too yes
2: (laughs) yeah the tva has got a great app yeah that i that i look at all the time
0: cool 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 but well, that, that that would be a, one of the best places you could go in the fall i think oh, it's yeah. down there great that's,
1: we'll have to do another podcast sometime soon uh, i went out on the ohio river below mcalpine with some of the fisheries guys of the other day um tim sloan which is kind of weird saying some of our fisheries guys tim sloan again <laughs> but uh, looking into this that's where he started well, that's where he started. That's where he's at now. It's, he's, he's funny. He comes in here and talks about stuff. But they've got some projects they're working on down there, thinking about, you know, putting some more effort into the Louisville area on the Ohio River blowing McAlpine for Asian carp. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been down there and seen them stacked up like you wouldn't believe before. So I know I've seen people fly fishing for hybrids and stripers mm-hmm. down there.
0: Jim, I actually used to fly fish down there for grass carp. With some kind of funny fly that he put in front of him. He uh, yeah. caught a couple of big ones. Grass carp down there? Yeah. Back in the see, day. See, I'm there thinking were a few. of
1: right in the falls area. Like right there. You would see
0: him, but this was before the major invasion of the others. But the, there were an escaped grass carp he would catch on fly rod. Right?
1: I like just right up there, right below the upper dam, man, you can get into some fish up there. I
0: don't think you I can wade it when it's low. You can oh, go, right kill right it.
1: now I haven't been down there in a while, but I'm assuming right now you could probably just about walk clean across it. I'm not sure what the water level's at.
0: Granddaddy said before Lock and Dam that during drought times you could wade all the way across the river there. Yeah, there were, I think, two
1: spots in Lowell that you could, before dams were on the river, that you could walk across the Ohio River. At low water. Yeah, one of them's the s near Otter Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And then... The other's there at the falls. Yeah, that's, those are the two I know of. So, anyway, we need to do another one sometime soon. I don't know if you guys... We actually did get rain last night. Did you guys get rain?
0: We got some this morning, A little and sprinkle. The, the Elkhorn went up just a... Touch it was forty eight cfs. Early. That's the lowest level I think I can ever remember. I don't.
1: Yeah. I don't even see how it went up. It seems know, like it as soon as that rain hit yeah. the ground, it would just not get sucked in by a sponge. It's I get it a couple days ago.
2: This time last year, it was at ten thousand. Yeah, when we had that big. Yeah, dirty. I remember.
1: The yeah, highest right. I've ever seen yeah. oak corn was twelve thousand, yeah. and that was in February of
0: eighteen, I believe. Yeah. Well, earlier this spring, when we had that monster deluge, I think it bumped. I I swear, I think I remember seeing 20,000 CFS. Mm 20,000? But that's nothing compared to the 97 Is that this spring, you said? Yeah, when it it was way... I mean, it jumped up. I looked at the gauge. It was 10 feet above normal.
1: I bet you right now that gauge... If you're looking at uh, Mm -hmm. USGS, I bet you the temperature reading on it is 110 degrees every day. 48 CFS, because it's always out of the water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, wow, the surface temperature, the temperature is 90 degrees. You're like, man, all the fish are going to die. Now, the 97 flood, I I think that that is the greatest. I don't know what that was, but my God, it was, you know, where 127 bridges, that whole bottom was, you know, 10 feet deep. Wow. And, you know, where, where Catfish Bend is and you go into Softleaves Bottoms and, and where, you know, where you, you, you spent time. I mean, the, the the creek was way out in that field. There were trees, you know, four foot in diameter stranded out in the middle of that field from yeah. where it was. That's crazy. It, it was incredible. Yeah. It'll change the landscape pretty quick, mm-hmm. but
1: it's lunchtime. Yes, it is. We usually do this after lunch, but anyway, I think we're good. You got anything you want to add? John, um, do you want to add anything?
0: No, thanks for having me again. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, pray for rain, pray for cool weather. Yes. Absolutely. Yes.
1: But, and archery crossbow season comes in tomorrow. I don't have the new guide here. Has,
0: has anybody gone on a good dove hunt? We had a good one. Yeah. We had a good one back home. We had a way.
1: really good one right down the road here. Dove season's still in. Archery mm-hmm. crossbow season, or crossbow mm-hmm. season for deer comes in tomorrow. Um, waterfowl. Wood duck, early wood duck and mm-hmm. teal. Yeah, yeah, wood yeah, duck and a... teal starts tomorrow as yeah. well. And then uh, I think that early... Canadian goose season's already in. It's in. Yeah. Yep. That came in uh, earlier this week. I've never been waterfowl hunting. I keep saying that, hoping that somebody will offer to take me one of these days. Might be blind something up. Yeah. <laughs> you take me to, to catch some hybrids below the dam over there in Louisville. We'll, whenever they start we'll hitting like again. I mean, there was <laughs> for a while there. I'm telling you, in the spring, I could go down there and hook up with fish. Yeah. Really, really consistently. And good fish. I mean, 24, 25-inch hybrids. And right now, it's just a struggle. I don't know where they've moved out to or what they've done, but with the water being as low as it is, it is just a struggle.
0: Well, and, and they're fairly notorious for that. They're doing a study on, on one of the lakes, and I can't believe I can't remember, but um, it might be Grayson or is it Barron, that hmm. people say, you know, I caught hybrids, I caught hybrids, and then poof, they disappear. So yeah. they're doing a study to see what during these times where they just disappear, where are they locating, and why can't anglers catch them? Well, putting, it, so.
1: they, they have tags in some. Is that yeah. what, the, what yep. the study you're talking yes, about? Yes, so they're
0: trying to figure out where they're, where they're going during that time where anglers can't find hmm.
1: them. I know one guy who can find them, but in the river, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but if I was going to say go catch them somewhere near McAlpine right now, it would be in front of the lower where the water's actually coming through mm-hmm. because nothing's coming through on the top gate for the most part. They're still The lower has the hydros. And they seem to run a lot more water off the lower. If
0: we don't get rain Monday, this can't maybe they were saying on the news this morning the driest September on record, and has potential to be the driest month period. Yeah. On I've record. still got
2: dust on my truck from the day we went dove hunting at the farm. Yeah, which was which was
0: September one. Yeah,
1: it's pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been so Considering dry. Considering
0: how wet it was for a year and a half, it wouldn't stop raining. Now it won't rain for any. Yeah, yeah, it's cool.
1: been miserable deer hunting, too, to be honest with you. I bet. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't shot a doe yet. Typically, by this point in time, I, mean, I would have put a doe I in the freezer. I bet super crunchy. But, yeah, I mean, I it's hard to be stealthy when you're walking no, through the woods. I haven't even gotten interested yet. I've been out there. I think I've hunted seven or eight times. You but know I, I haven't had any interest in killing anything and dragging it out. It better be a big buck for me to be sweating out there right now. <laughs> no, no, you better yeah. get
0: that bad boy cleaned up quick and a couple bags of ice in the uh, scat. You know, I'm kind of...
1: I know I talked like I was going to end the podcast five minutes ago, but I'm kind of always been curious as to how true that really was. Get you know, get them, I know field dressing obviously, but I got to figure when a deer dies, its body temperature's 98 or 100 degrees. They probably run a little bit hotter than people. So does it being 90 degrees out versus 50 or 60 degrees out really make a big difference in how much time you have to work that deer? Man,
0: well, tell them the man, You're me the story you were telling me. Yeah, day. so
2: Monday, I mean, within an hour there were there were. Uh, Fly eggs on on the, those pigs that we shot Monday. Yeah. While we were disease sampling them, and the time it took to get them out of the trap and down the road in the truck, there were fly eggs on. Them. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I I used to do I used to do more early deer hunting than I do, and I would just have a cooler with fro you know frozen blocks of ice in it, and do like you would do on a western elk yeah. or deer hunt, mm-hmm. quarter it and and put it in the cooler, um, just to save from all that,
1: you know. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I've just always kind of thought, you know, if you really, I understand the flies, because if it's below 55 degrees, you're not going to have flying insects anyway. Mm -hmm. But as far as like 65 or 70 degrees out versus it being 95 degrees out, because people right now, you know, you tell them you're going deer hunting, they're like, well, you better get that thing on ice quick. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking to myself, well, the the deer's body temperature starts at, you know, 100 degrees and it's going to drop slower. But I mean, you're talking about it takes a lot of time for a body to cool down after it Absolutely. is dead. So yeah. I don't really know how big of a difference. Well, anyway,
2: yeah, there's so. plenty of people all over the place that, that successfully harvest big game animals in hot temperatures. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nevada has an August mule deer season, yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a, you know, getting it to the shade, keeping the flies off of it and getting it from whatever that core temp is down to whatever you can, whatever the temp in the shade is, that's mm-hmm. your goal is to make that happen. You know, there's a big difference in bacterial activity between like 75 and normal body temperature. Okay, you know, hmm. makes a big difference. So, so it does matter. It, just getting it down. I, I think so. Um, and I'm, I'm one that'll tell you that I love to let a deer hang as, as long as I have available time to, to let it hang, and I think it makes for better meat. But you can replicate a lot of that in a cooler. You, know? mm-hmm. you can age it a couple of days in a cooler.
1: They say yep. 40 at 40 is what I've heard. 40 days at 40 degrees is the optimal <laughs> amount of time. To, yeah. yeah. We don't, you know,
2: you know, January, you don't hardly get 40 days. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, These yeah. are people
1: with walk ins. Yeah. I mean, if true. it had a closed door on it where I knew that it was good and it was going to stay, I'd still be nervous about eating 40. <laughs> 40.
0: Yeah, me too. I'd be like, hmm. Does <laughs> this it. smell right? Like they say not?
1: you want it to have a, a white mold on it. That's what I've heard. You want it to get a mold <laughs> on it, and then you got to, you know. Yeah, that's a long. I try to get three. I'm happy if I get three days hanging. I mean, you can tell a difference.
0: I, I knew this man who, who had a a, a Vietnamese uh, exchange student who stayed with him, and they, it was really nice, and uh, he gave him a country ham. Does it go away? <laughs> he said, oh, how would you enjoy the ham? He said, oh, that mold on it, I threw it away. <laughs> it was like a really expensive aged ham. <laughs> it's like a $115 ham, and he threw it away. <laughs> Oop.
1: <That's>, yeah. <laughs> All right, real quick before we get out of here. Who do you root for, sports-wise, Hest? Oh, man. As a as an
2: ex-college football player, I'm a terrible sports Where'd fan.
1: Where'd you play football at?
2: Went to center. And played okay. center. Down You're Dabble. a terrible college? I am a – no, I just I'm generally a tel- terrible sports fan. All right, well, So – I have no idea. Like, terrible <laughs> I, as in, like – Terrible as in I don't follow it, and you can count the entire games that I watch in a, any given year on uh, so you one don't, hand.
1: Okay, so you yep. don't follow it. So I got it. What position do you play?
2: I, defensive end and tackle.
1: Okay. I want to ask you about something. Yeah, about I did the watch the
0: UK game last week, though. Well, that was so, the worst one of the year to watch. Did that stuff watch happen the
1: in the in the piles? Huh? When you were in the piles, did stuff happen?
0: Uh, I mean a little bit. You get, <laughs> you get poked every once in a while. So I knew
1: bro. a guy who played at Trinity, and he would like brag about the stuff he did. <laughs> like, oh, no, that's just, in the piles. Yeah, you know, this is dirty. Yeah, but um, all right. So I guess sports take of the week. Like what? can review, I was extremely disappointed as a UK fan mm-hmm. in the outcome of that last game. Yeah, hard not to be. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think if their quarterback didn't get hurt, we would have been in better shape yep. because he wasn't doing anything. And the targeting call was, you know, Targeting call. Yeah, I enjoyed watching the quarterback that came in. He that was guy, mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: he went out there and did some work. It's like they I'm said, it's
1: the year of the backup quarterback right mm-hmm. now because, I mean, I don't know if Louisville actually has a starting quarterback. Like, I don't think anybody really knows who their true quarterback is because... You know, um, one of their quarterbacks was hurt, so the other one was starting. Then he got hurt, so the other one was starting. But who do they really want to be starting in the first place? I don't know. I was disappointed, and I will say, I don't, I don't really want to pick on any one player. But when it came down to that field goal attempt, right? Yeah. I was like, all right, because I kind of used to have an Austin McGinnis over there kicking the field mm-hmm. goals for yeah, us. Yeah, I know. And they cut over to him on the sideline warming up. He, he
0: was stressing.
1: Man, I could see it on his face. And I I just, I was expecting it to be a miss. And it yeah. was.
0: Well, and when it, you don't swing all the way through from being tight, you'll, you'll push them. Yeah,
1: it was a disappointing UK game.
0: Yeah. And, and I, missed it by a half the length of a half the width of the football.
1: Yeah. I don't really expect them to win this week either. Hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe not. Mississippi State's pretty good. Louisville still looks a lot better. Mm hmm. Than I ever expected them to yeah. at this point. Yeah,
0: I agree. And I, they obviously want to play for this coach.
1: Yeah. Well, and they're a dog to Florida State by like a touchdown. It's like six and a half or seven or something like that. But I think I take the. I think I take Louisville to cover that. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I honestly think Louisville's going to win straight up. Yeah. I kind of look at Florida State being the exact same team that Louisville was last year. Yeah. And I think they're just going to quit.
0: Yeah. Hmm. The, the, yeah. The, the the Willie Taggart experiment's not working.
1: So far, <laughs> Well, there's no doubt that Florida State's more talented than Louisville, though. But anyway, so disappointed with Kentucky last week. Impressed with Louisville this week. I expect Louisville to win outright, even though they're a touchdown dog, and I expect Kentucky to probably not win. And I almost,
0: and just my we gut. We haven't won down there since 08.
1: Well, my gut so. feeling is they're not even going to cover. It's like 6.5 or 6 for Kentucky, too, and I just don't foresee it happening. Yep. I don't know why. That's a me being a bad fan. I'll say the thing I'm most impressed with so far this football season is Lamar Jackson. And I'm a Kentucky fan. It sounds like I'm bashing Kentucky and loving on Louisville right now. But Lamar Jackson in the NFL has Mm -hmm. been ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: It's him and it's the fact that Tom Brady is still so good. Yeah. like It's ridiculous watching Brady. He's like 42 years old or something out there. And he's either the best or the second best quarterback. George
0: Wanda, the next coming.
1: Yeah. I remember
0: George Wanda. (laughs) Kid Saber got hurt. George Wanda went there. He kicked field goals till his late 40s. And he went in there, he was in his mid-40s when they were, and engineered them, drove him right down the, the uh, field and, and won the
1: game for them. That's just nice. I saw a thing the other day, it was talking about, um, you know, Rodgers kind of, or Breeze being hurt, and all these, Eli, you know, getting benched. And I was talking about, you know, it's nice seeing all these quarterbacks that have been, you know, the big names for so long kind of going away where now we're seeing who the new up and comers are who mm-hmm. the stars are going to be for the next 20 years and it had pictures it was like pat mahomes lamar jackson tom brady and somebody else <laughs> It was like these are going to be the the qbs we're talking about for the next 20 i thought that was hilarious but yeah no doubt anyway let's call it a day i need food mm-hmm. appreciate you guys coming on thank, thank you john you're, yeah, no problem you can have to take me i have a good one In between waterfowl and fishing let's go fishing no doubt